With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Afternoon all, uh, Wednesday the 1st of March, but it's the 28th of February we're going to highlight, uh, particularly for the first hour. Uh, welcome in half of New Zealand, because the other half are at the Great Show of the Rural Roundup with Andy Thompson. Um, we are going to focus on the cricket for the first hour. Uh, just if you're hanging around after that, um, plenty more to talk about as well. We're going to catch up with Grace Brooker, uh, the Matatu second five, who pretty much had a whole year out with injury. She's made her return. And uh, the Matatu picked up their first ever win in Super Rugby Opiki down in Dunedin. Uh, so we'll catch up with Grace just after one o'clock. Um, hopefully after two, Cam Brown. We're just waiting to hear whether he's going to be available. He's travelling to Taupo at the moment for the Ironman. 12-time champion. Think about that for a minute. 50 years old. And it's his last event as a professional. Uh, I'd imagine he'll go into the age groups, but we'll talk to him about that. But two... The monumental, the monumental day that was yesterday, and particularly the last, what would it be, hour, hour and a half, and it never really felt like New Zealand were going to win for quite some time, particularly when Stokes and Root were in control, and it just looked like a slow, slow death. But I think it's poignant to go back over the five days. Of course, England batted first. An amazing, a remarkable 153 not out to Joe Root. Harry Brook, this pretentious, young, laissez-faire batting style, returned him 186. England declared 435 for eight. Southie, one wicket, 93 runs. Matt Henry got four of the wickets. Michael Bracewell got two. Wagner, one for 119. People were saying he's starting to look tired. New Zealand went into bat. Not good. Most of the scores were in single figures. Tom Blundell with 38, Tom Latham 35, Harry Nichols 30. And then unsurprising, well, it was surprising, a 73 from Tim Southey. We probably don't realise the magnitude of how important that 73 off 49 balls was for Tim Southey. At the time, we had no idea. New Zealand were asked to follow on, so in they went. 83, Tom Latham. 61, Conway. 132, majestic innings from Kane Williamson. Also supported Mitchell with a 54, Tom Blundell a really important 90, 483, in you go England. And then we saw it all unfolding, a 95 from Root and as I say while he was in and Ben Stokes with his 33 was in, it looked pretty safe. Ben Folks looked to upset the apple cart, he batted, he batted and then he fell. Jack Leach, he'd been in for about 20 balls with um, Folks and hadn't troubled the score. Then all of a sudden he had to score. And then it all came down to that final ball. And um, we didn't know it was the final ball when he was steaming in, but ultimately it was. And an absolutely tremendous day for New Zealand cricket. I want your thoughts, your emotions. Live that. Tell us where you were and what the reaction was. I know everyone at work here, we were out in the main office. Um, our show had just finished. I think the wicket fell at about six minutes past four, something like that, and it was... Rapturous! It was unbelievable. The tension that can only be built up over five days and then the pressure valve came off 
no better exemplified by Neil Wagner and that contorted face of his of joy. Just stunning. Uh, there was a press conference this morning and Neil Wagner and Gary Stead fronted for that. So just going to take a couple of clips from Neil Wagner. Um, first question to him was, has it sunk in yet, Mr Wagner? Yeah, it all still feels like a bit of a blur, um, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's uh, not much time to reflect yet. Um, I think it will sink in a little bit later. Um, when you, I think things are calm, you sit down at home and, and can relax a little bit with the family. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty special moment. It's a, it was a pretty special test to be a part of and just glad I, I could contribute in, in, in some form or way. But everyone put their hand up and it was contributions all around that, that made a pretty special victory. Yeah, and talking about the contributions and he's a very proud member of the team. He was asked about the team effort that was put in that required them to get up and get that win. Cricket is a, is a sport where um, you can't ride the wave of emotions too much, you just got to find a way of sort of just, I guess, knuckling down and um, keep having faith in, in, in your ability and in everybody in the team and their role um, and just try and find a way. And that's what we did yesterday. I think it's a, a testament to this, uh, the group um, that we keep fighting. We keep trying to find ways of, um, you know, making it hard for the opposition and, and trying to make Kiwis proud in the way we play and, and represent uh, them out there in the middle. And I thought that was yesterday, again, just a, a quality uh, performance from from how we play and, and we take a lot of pride in, in how we obviously do that. And Gary Stead fronted up and he was asked about the importance of this win for this team. Hugely memorable experience. Um, I think to be part of something like that is yeah, very, very special. We spoke uh, internally as a group around the ability to just keep fighting and keep hanging in there and when, uh, when you do that, it's amazing what can be done and um, to get to that situation, I think in the last day is testament to the I think the spirit and the character within our side as well and we've been through some challenging times I think recently um, but that shows to me that what we're doing puts you in the right well you're definitely on the right track and, and, I, and I think that character piece is huge and, and that shone through loud and clear for me. So your thoughts and your feelings and emotions from yesterday, um, 0800 150 811. If you want to text in, you're welcome to do that as well, Double eight, double three. Uh, remembering we've only got half of the country here, so I really do appreciate your calls on 0800 150 811. New Zealand Cricket's amazing victory yesterday. That is Midday Madness. Let's go. Well, listen, buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Let's go down south, talk to Mikey. G'day, Mikey. Daffy, the joy is back. The joy <laughs> is back. What a game. Oh, my Lord. I was listening to the English feed um, while I was gardening all day. Um, I didn't realise how good Daniel McCarty was as a, as a cricket commentator. FYI. Very, he's, very good. He's brilliant, isn't he? <laughs> he's fantastic. thing is, though, he brings the... As if you most of the commentators every time something happens or there might have been a wicket or a, a miss thing i'm cutting hedges and their voices raise so dramatically i almost cut this poor person's hedges so many times off at the corner <laughs> it was just, i almost made a real hash of it um, so i was on 10 hooks all day and it really did go up and down all day it was we're in the box seat we're not in the box seat um daniel mccarty at one stage i think probably about 30 runs to go or 20 runs to go just said this game just won't quit and the joys of test cricket. And uh, it will go down. I said last year that the uh, the women's uh, rugby final was the greatest game I've ever 
seen in terms of rugby, this is the greatest game of cricket I have ever heard. And if I got to see it, I'm sure I would have said exactly the same thing. Unbelievable. And the, the most important thing for me, they bought the fight. Mm. They actually didn't, they didn't just sit back and go, oh, well, they bought the fight. And that's all we ask for, isn't it? All it, we ask for is for a team to bring the fight. Yeah, I just wonder, you know, if that... He didn't need much more bat on that final ball for it to go for four. Um, no. Didn't, <laughs> and you probably couldn't have complained if the ball before, if it was given wide, to tie the scores. It, it's amazing that after five days, those microscopic moments can completely change history. Well, uh, was it Root running Brook out? I mean, that, oh, my Lord. I mean, that, that's a massive moment in the game as well. There were, just, there were, there were moments deluxe. Mm. It, it was all go. It was fantastic. And, hey, look, one other thing. Kudos to that English uh, cricket team. A, for um, bringing Test cricket well into the limelight. And B, just being so gentleman about the whole thing. Fantastic yeah. team. Fantastic yeah. spirit. So, there you go. 100% agree. Good stuff, Mikey. Thanks for kicking us off. Okay, cheers, mate. Cheers, bud. Um, life member Zaid, you would have enjoyed that. Yeah, Wagner, blood, though, he's under it. He's under it. <laughs> oh, do I need to pass your name on to McCarty to join him in commentary? What a, what a, what a great commentary from uh, Craig McMillan. But um, it, all, it all came from uh, Ken Williamson. He, got, he steadied the ship, um, got an expectable total. Uh, I remember Tommy Blundell, or as the alternative commentary call him, Cowboy Blundell. Um, got a back on. Um, he'd probably have to play, be my ser- player of the series for New Zealand. Tom Blundell. Every, you know, he went to go putting the glue. He got that. Yeah, just a wonky line there. Sorry, Zaid, if you still can hear me. Just a bit wonky. We'll try and get back to you. Let's go over to Melbourne, talk to Darren. G'day, Darren. Hey, Staffy, how are you? Oh, we're good over this side of the ditch today, I can tell you. Oh, mate, it's, uh, it's nice being in Australia when Australia's getting absolutely thumped by India and uh, New, New Zealand are pulling off miracles. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Dine out. Oh, I'll tell you what, yesterday I got out of the car because I had a meeting at 2 o'clock, my, our time, and it was 11 runs needed and, and you were saying, oh, I hope we get a wicket, just how interesting will this be? I got out of the car and I was like, yeah, mate, these guys are too good. And then two hours later, I got back in the car and Kirsten Beeves were just still going off their brain. <laughs> and I just sat there in the car for about 10 minutes. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> uh, well, we couldn't believe like, it either. It was fantastic. Oh, I was spewing. I missed it, but I, there's nothing I could do about it. But one thing I want to say, I rang up three weeks ago when everyone was doom and gloom, you know, when we came back from India. And I said, hey, it's India. Don't worry about it. Is everyone starting to listen now that you know, put some faith into these guys? They sort of know what they're doing? Yeah, they they do. I still do have concerns. I don't want to take away from yesterday at all, at all. Um, but I, there are still some concerns, and, you know, a, a cricket team's more than one game. But I reiterate, I don't want to take away from the, the achievement yesterday. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. But we got there by, you know, the width of a bee's wing. Um, there was nothing in it, but for the for Test cricket and just for New Zealand cricket, couldn't have come at a better time. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But I, I think they're on the they are on the right path. I'm not saying it's the perfect team, but you know we could have won a, a match in India, could have, um, you know, which is near impossible to win over there as Australia's finding out right now. And then England, who I think are 
probably the best team, you know, test team going around at the moment to come over and be competitive like that and to even, you know, get a win, I think it's amazing. Mm, it is. Darren, we've got lots of calls. Thank you for making yours. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Bye. buddy. Let's go down to the West Coast, talk to Phil. G'day, Phil. How you going, Steffi? Very well today. Yeah, same here. So I um I watch a lot of um English, English uh, casino streamers, and I've quite enjoyed being in there rinsing them about their loss. <laughs> Take it anywhere you can give it. <laughs> For sure. Good uh, on the lad. Yeah, it was fantastic. Hey, eh? were, were you watching? Were you listening? How were you? How were you taking it in? Um, at, at work actually, but yeah, just 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 listening in. Yeah, just brilliant no, day, brilliant. wasn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. One run, it doesn't matter how much the margins buy, it's still a win. That's it. Well, you keep rinsing those palms in those rooms, mate. Definitely will. Good man, Phil. Good. See you later. Cheers, buddy. Let's go to Dean and Dunedin. Dino. Yeah, mate, I've listened to you. I mean, when you said you weren't allowed to commentate it and you are just sort of giving your wee eye over what you were seeing the proceedings to save getting in trouble, when they needed to leave and run... I went and lay on the bed and woke up about two hours later. Sort of couldn't believe it, but good on them. But I watched the delivery. And I, I mean, Jesus, that's why that's Like, really? I don't get it. Like, once again, it's officials butchering a perfect situation. But we'll take the win, good on us. But I honestly believe this English cricket team and the way they're playing, everyone's getting excited because they're seeing the ball go around. I reckon when they get to Australia, they can have absolutely pants. Do you? Yeah, I do. I reckon they'll get smoked. With a five-tier series, I reckon five zip. They'll lose the first one, and then all of a sudden, bad ball and run down the wicket. Look at the shots they went out to. Ducking mm. out of the road, throwing the bat up in the air. Like, you do that in Australia, you're six for 20. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they modify their approach a little bit going to Australia because because that attack that uh, England will take to Australian bowlers, the bowlers will welcome it. Yeah, well, they've smashed it for years. They don't give a fuck about Anderson and Brook. They've all built stats on them, mm. you know, and positive stats. So it's just cricket. You either like the game, you enjoy the game, or you detest it. I'm not really sure where I'm at with it, but that was a great moment in New Zealand sports history. But like I just said, it's a wide. Blundell did incredibly well to catch the damn thing. Mm. Yeah, you know, We lose sight of the obvious. It's a wide stat. The, the, the interesting thing is if um, roles were reversed and it hadn't been called and we were batting, I mean, look at how we remonstrated about some of those last over calls at the World Cup that, that we shall not speak of um, with hitting the bat and had the players crossed, but it went against us. So you're probably right. We're not talking about that wide that wasn't called enough, but it's because we're on the right side of the ledger. And I guess that is sport too, isn't it? It swings and roundabouts. Sometimes it's in your favour, sometimes it's not when it comes to officialdom. Yeah, totally, but it shouldn't be. They mm. pay professional umpires, but I don't know what they're looking at, but it's in every sport. Mm. And unfortunately, it's everywhere. Like I said to you the other day on the rugby thing, I cannot believe that we're playing these rules the year of the World Cup. And I listen to old... I've got a lot of time for old Jippers. Like on that other rugby show, I think. I listened to that last night. And that boy, he switched on. Like, he knows what he's, he's talking about. Mm. That's not a bad show either, you know. But it's, I don't get why we're... It's a great to watch. It's 
it's the best thing that could possibly happen for rugby. But the Northern Hemisphere have just worked out how to get brawn fit and strong and play a game that that's slowing down of the tackle. That's unbelievable. Like, I didn't realise it was that bad until I watched the Super Rugby and lots of it. Thoroughly enjoyed it, apart from the Pacifica debacle. But then watched the Six Nations game, and honestly, it's chalk and cheap. But they'll never adapt that rule. They've just mastered what is very, very good. And the Irish, God bless them, they've smashed us with our invincibility tag in the last 10 to 15 minutes. No one believes that anymore. We'll never, ever get that back. Foster's done a brilliant job, absolutely brilliant job in losing the one thing that we had, which was we believed we could, they believed they couldn't, thanks to Ireland. Now everyone believes they can. Mm. It's a changing landscape. Dino, good call, mate. We have to duck off. Thanks, buddy. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with Gary and Nick. And if you want to call, join in as well. 0800 150 Back shortly. Staffy, in association with Gull, they fuel your mission all year round. Do the great folk at Gull. We've got Gary from Upper Hut on the line. G'day, Gary. G'day, staff. Hey, uh, first up, I feel like I owe you a bit of a, an apology. Got a confession to make. The last five days, I've been listening to the opposition, mate. <laughs> I've been on another station, I'm afraid. I'm sorry, I have to admit it, but I'm back. Right, <laughs> 15 Hail Marys. <laughs> yeah. No, good That's to have you back, mate. It's cricket, Staffy. Yeah. It'll do it to me every time. Yeah, no, what a, what a test, eh? Oh, it was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, I thought we'd improve from the first one. I really did, but honestly, I, I really didn't think we'd improve to the extent where we could win, especially after that first innings. Far out. Yeah, no, it just showed that grit and determination that I was. Oh, well, I spoke spoke to you last week, I think, about that, and just like it's just we needed that to come back, and oh, that came back in spades in that fourth innings, didn't it? That was just brilliant. Yeah, something I haven't done that I quite often do is go session by session and see if it was a boxing match of, you know, fifteen rounds, which is fifteen sessions, yeah. and you go to the scorecards, who won the most sessions? Now I haven't done it, but I'd venture to say. England would have won if it went to the judges. I suspect they probably would have on account like that, yeah. we just come back in that last round, though. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. no. I'll tell you what, though. I'd still like to see a change in the team. Um, yeah. I, I think Henry Nichols has had his day, and I really want to see Russian Ravindra get back in, into that top order somewhere. Because yeah. I think if you get him back in there, I think Michael Bracewell got a pass, only just. I think he underperformed a little bit. But you can keep him in the side if you keep Ravindra as well. And then you've actually got a two-spin option in the side. Because Ravindra, he, you know, he's a perfectly good top-order batsman. And I, I'd really like to see him get his go. I just think Nichols has just rode this wave of good luck um, for a long time now. Um, it's got to end at some stage. Yeah, the, the fear is, and I again, I haven't analysed it too much, but uh, a win like that and the drama like that can camouflage some areas that need uh, need addressing. And, and we'll talk to Dylan yeah, Cleaver yep. shortly about that as well because he's a wonderful cricket writer, so we'll catch up with him. But, Graham, I'm pleased you... Uh, sorry, Gary, I'm pleased you enjoyed it, and I'm pleased you're back. Yeah, I'm back, mate, I'm back. Good on you, buddy. Good <laughs> to chat. Enjoy your day. Cheers, yeah. mate. Let's uh, stick up in Auckland now. Uh, Joey, g'day, Joey. G'day, Steph. Down but never out, eh? That's Fantastic it. Fantastic effort, you know. You know, Steph, we, we shouldn't sugarcoat it, but our first innings was, wasn't great at all. I mean, Calvi did, did well in uh, Blundell, but apart from that, we were terrible. But to fight back like we did and get the win, 
whether it was, you know, one run, four runs, whatever, one wicket, absolutely fantastic. Whether it was a wide, they got away with uh, the World Cup where the ball hit, um, what's the name, went for four, and it shouldn't have been a four because that should be a dead ball. And they ended up winning the World Cup. So it swings in roundabouts. Yeah. It probably may have been a wide to a lot of people, but, hey, they didn't call it. And like, just like the ladies in the World Cup rugby, it's history, and, and it says in the, the record books that we won it which is absolutely fantastic. I mean, it'll give the boys, you know, a lot of boost. Um, but as I say, you shouldn't chip a toe too much because, uh, you know, you, you have your glory in that. But um, they, w- they were poor and they've got to work on a few things. And I just don't know what's happened to um, Patel. Boy, he's not getting uh, getting a go. You know, I, I know that they're thinking of bringing him back um, um, Isha, Sodi. But um, Patel could come back in, into the side... Possibly. And just on one other thing, uh, Steph, um, Martin Sharp, uh, Huey Newman Watt was talking about the, the draw and everything today, and he said, what would beat it? Nothing will beat that on a firm track. That horse can run 33 seconds for 600, and it's probably one of the best horses I've seen since Octagonal um, and as a three-year-old and excellent. That's how good that horse is. And, and uh, the trainer, um, Brown Rogerson, has been training for years and years, and he reckons it's probably the best horse he's had. had. Unbelievable. It will not get beat. Yeah. The only thing that will beat that will be bad weather. Bad, le- bad weather or bad luck in the running, maybe. But, yeah, it's a phenomenal animal, isn't it? Yeah, well spotted, Joey. Good to hear from you, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your day. Okay, you too, Steph. Cheers, mate. Joey out of Auckland there. We'll take new sport and weather. We'll come back. We've got some text messages to get through. And uh, we're also going to catch up with Dylan Cleaver fairly shortly as well. You're on Afternoons with Staffy in association with Gull. Here's the news. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Good news in there from Johnny Mac that uh, we have a bit of a calendar for the Black Ferns. Um, I'm, I'm just so worried that that's just going to go cold after the amazing tournament that was last year. Um, dates and locations for the first test since last year's World Cup. One, they haven't been announced yet, but World Rugby have confirmed the series will begin with Canada playing the United States in Spain, interesting, on the 1st of April. Um just scrolling through the press release here. Uh, series will finish in Canada across two weekends early July. Black Ferns will play Canada before playing the United States. Um, and it's qualifying for all sorts of things. So more of that will fall out in the next few days, I'd imagine. Um, Josh has said, Mark, two questions for New Zealand cricket. Number one, no further pink ball tests to be played. Number two, the Basin Reserve is the best test cricket ground in New Zealand, not the David White Oval in Tauranga. Cheers, Josh. The Basin, once again for me, and I know it can be a personal thing, franked itself as the best test cricket venue in New Zealand. I, I think there's uh, no doubt about that in my eyes. Uh, might be in your eyes. Um, and I must have missed when Dino said that England were going to Australia for the Ashes. I thought he meant playing Australia for the Ashes, but yeah, the Ashes is in the UK, not in Australia. Um, Zaid, is there any chance I can come in on Friday, preview UFC 285, Jones versus Cyril Gunn? No, Zaid, not this time. 
when the Kiwis are back on the cards. We'll have a look at doing it then, though. I love your previews, though, champion. Um, we are going to take a, an earlier break than normal because I want to have a decent old chinwag with Dylan Cleaver. He's an award-winning Kiwi sports journalist uh, with the bounce. He's out on his own, but he writes wonderfully. Um, he was down there for the Test match. Black Caps, amazing win over England. So Dylan Cleaver, award-winning sports journalist, will join the show after this break. We are going to stick with the cricket and uh, the bounce. If you don't subscribe to the bounce, I highly recommend it. Dylan Cleaver is the, uh, well, he is the bounce. He is the bounce and he joins us now. He was down at the Basin Reserve uh, coming. Fantastic article yesterday. Dylan, really enjoyed it. Welcome in. How you going, Mark? Very well. Very well. Now, first of all, the thing that your article sparked me onto yesterday and I thought why hadn't I thought of that the whole country is focusing on that sort of last half hour that last wicket Neil Wagner but your column uh, refreshingly uh, reminded me it highlighted it actually was a five-day test and everyone's just reading the back page over and over but the first hundred pages of that test match was just as intriguing yeah I mean I thought New Zealand were cooked I, I can't put it any more bluntly than that. After two days, I think, I mean, it was rain affected a little bit. The, we lost the end of the first and second days, but after two days, England had um, again posted a, a score 435 and declared, which is a very alpha move. And New Zealand, in reply, were nowhere at 138 to 7. It looked like a continuation of um, Mount Monganui. And to be fair, it looked like a continuation of this. World Test Championship cycle where um, this team full of greats, some of them ageing greats, just haven't been able to lift themselves to the heights that they had before. And, yeah, I, just, I thought they were cooked, gone. So did I, and I think so did most people as well. Um, the fact that the rain never came put my draw bet to bed quite early, uh, which disappointed me that Meteorological Service have now have a massive invoice coming in from me. Uh but the, the, the little highlights uh, through there, Kane Williamson, who's, you know, he's struggled a little bit of, due to his own high standards, I guess, a sparkling innings from Tim Southey. Do you look back and, and, and garner a little bit of hope going forward? Or dare I say, is this a little bit like Ian Foster at Ellis Park, that a victory, a very timely victory, or is it untimely for the health of the future in New Zealand cricket? Yeah, that's actually a really good question, and it's one I almost feel really miserable talking about in the uh, in the aftermath of what was just one of the great test matches, one of the great sporting occasions of all time. But yes, I this team is all over thirty. Uh, the team that took the field at the Basin Reserve, they have struggled. I do believe we're far closer to the end of an era than the middle of a, an era. So I do think there has to be changes. I, I do I do fear a little bit that the, the astonishing deeds of those last few days will will blind the selectors Gary Stead and Gavin Larson to perhaps some of the um, the pinch points in New Zealand cricket that they need to address. I hope they don't. Uh, there's a part of me, and I, and I wrote about this, and um, I love Neil Wagner. I love the way he goes about the game. I love his wholeheartedness. His just willingness to push himself to dark places in order to help the team. But there's a part of me that hopes that that's the last image I see of um, Neil Wagner in Test cricket, of him charging down the, the wicket after 
taking a taking a wicket to win the match. You know, surrounded by his teammates, red based, um, you know, just ex- exhorting um, the gods almost. Uh, that's how I want to remember Neil Wagner. I don't want to remember him how I feared I was going to after Mount Monganui when his 80 mile per hour bounces uh, were being dispatched back over his head with crossbat squats. So I do think there needs to be changes. Um, I believe strongly that New Zealand cricket needs to invest in spin. Um, this was a really good base and reserve wicket. It's the best it's the best test match cricket wicket I've seen in New Zealand for a long time because it actually brought spin into the game. We didn't have a specialist spinner. I do think we need to invest and maybe in some cases fast track our best young batting talent. Don't ask me who that is at the moment because it's pretty unclear. But I just don't think there's a massive future in pushing plus 30 team out again and again and again and expecting these sort of results because this was one out of the box. They have done it with the white ball with Finn Allen just belligerently just continually picking him on the, on a string of poor scores. Do you feel like there's a reluctance to do that in the Test Match Arena? Yeah, there is, and, and for good reason. Um, it's a pretty brutal place to learn how to play the game. And we saw that with Ratchet and Revenger who I hope that they go back to um, sooner rather than later, uh, who scored a century actually in Punkett Shield um, in this latest round. It's a tough place to learn how to play cricket. It can affect your confidence. Uh, even with Finn Allen, I, I think we're seeing some, and this is white ball cricket with perhaps less consequence, I, I think we're seeing some measure of doubt creep into his game for the first time. Yeah, it's it is a difficult task, but this is what we pay selectors to do. We pay them not just to think about the now, but to think about where this team is going to be in two or three years' time. I'm not sure who the best young batters in the country are. There's Joe Carter, Fendi, who's very highly regarded, but he's not particularly young. There's obviously Will Young, um, who is now plus 30 and who's been dying to get an extended run in the middle order. Perhaps it's the time, but again, we're not we're not talking about young guns here, are we? There's Rachel Revenger. Uh, there's uh, Jacob Cumming, Craig Cumming's son down in the south. He's highly regarded. He was yet to score big runs at first-class level. And there's a guy at CD they talk very highly about um, called Curtis Heathy, who, who can't even kind of break into the CD team at the moment. So there's not a, there's not a heck of a lot of riches out there to pick from, but that they do need to start thinking about where they're going to go. It's interesting because when the selectors do take a punt, it's on guys um, at the wrong end of their careers. And um, recently, Blair Tickner, Scott Kugeline, uh, we're not going to get 10 years of service out of them. And I just don't know what the, what the reluctance is. Or is it simply that there isn't that young talent there ready to go? Because right now, Sri Lanka in New Zealand is the perfect time. You would think so, wouldn't you? And yeah, look, Blair Tickner's 29, uh, a really honest, Trier in first-class cricket, I think now is the time to see whether they can get three, four good years out of him. Um, Scott Kugline, I'd be reluctant to for probably different reasons, but um, yeah, again, you know, he's had a long first-class career. Are we, are we really going to get a lot of years of good quality test cricket out of him? I doubt it. Uh, but yeah, don't ask me who the real young game clips are in the country, because I want to watch a lot of domestic cricket, and I haven't seen a lot. What do you make of Duffy and Shipley? 
Duffy again has been doing it for a long time. I think he's leading the first class wicket chart this year by a long way. Uh, good player, probably lacking a yard of pace to really travel international batters, but you could say the same about Wagner and, and Southie, right? Um, yeah, not quite there for me. And I have to confess, I was really looking forward to watching Shipley when he made his debut over in the subcontinent recently. And yeah, I don't think he's there yet. He could. I don't think he's there yet. And yeah, again, that's, that's probably a guy in his mid-twenties. Um, if you ask me the really young ones, no. Uh, it's, it's pretty much an empty cupboard, unfortunately, if we're talking about those early twenties uh, tearaways that you hope you can mould into a, a test player. Yeah, just just talking about this, I sense people are saying we're, we're doom and gloom merchants, but um, I don't want to take away from the amazing achievement that was yesterday. I don't often get up, jump up and down and scream at a at a test match, but we all did it at work here yesterday at about five past four. It was it was just just amazing. But um, sometimes a victory can, as I said, right at the very start, can paper over some longer some longer issues. And I just don't think we've got uh, collectively at the top of New Zealand cricket to take a chance to do what England cricket did with Brendan McCullum. Um, I felt like the one crack at being a little bit unconventional was the Finellan one. That didn't work. Are they now gun shy to make change? Do, do you think they're just happy to sit there and and hope? Yeah, well, New Zealand cricket's in a really interesting position, right? With the player talent pool is tiny. Yeah, uh, England can take punts because they know there's um, an entire county system of what is it, eighteen counties or sixteen counties that are feeding talent through their academies. New Zealand doesn't have that luxury. It's a tidy player pool. We do amazingly, and and again, yeah. Look, I'm glad you mentioned that because what we witnessed yesterday was one of the most stunning days in New Zealand sport that I can recall when it was just such an uplifting moment. What we're talking about here is how we get more of those uplifting moments in the years going forward. How do we replicate that World Test Championship um, feat? Um, we do it by introducing one or two younger players per season, maybe. Um We've just got to get better at identifying those those younger players a little bit earlier because we've had such a golden run. This truly has been a golden generation. I mean, you look at this team, Tim Southey, Kane Williamson, um, BJ Watling, Tom Blundell um, has come in and basically been the new BJ Watling and potentially even better with the bat than BJ. Uh, Trent Bolt, Neil Wagner, uh, Possibly Devin Conway, you know, you could put even Tom Latham in the conversation. All-time New Zealand great. A lot of those guys are challenging for the best New Zealand 11 of all time. But when we miss, when we lose someone like a, a Taylor and a Trent Bolt, uh, a Kyle Jamison, it's, it's imperative that we've got that depth to replace them. And I'm, I'm just not sure it's there at the moment. And more worryingly, I'm just not sure that it's been thought of. We're talking to Dylan Cleaver from the bounce. Dylan, before I let you go, I do want uh, I'm going to give you, let you have a plug because I love your writing. You always come up with an angle that makes me stop and think. So, best way for people to uh, get involved with uh, with your journalistic work? Well, actually, the easiest way is if you just Google Dylan Cleaver and the bounce, uh, you'll get a link through to my Substack uh, website and newsletter, or 
billingcleaver.substack.com and uh, we'd love to see you there. It's a free sign-up, so the more the merrier. Absolutely. Dillian, thanks heaps for your time today. No problem, Mark. Yes, very good to catch up with uh, Dylan. He's a wonderful writer. I would encourage you to uh, go and join in uh, on The Bounce. He sends out an email just about every day, I think it is, with just his take on a number of sports, and it uh, comes in my inbox, and I read it when I get home. It, it's, it's really good. Uh, some texts that have come through. Um, hey, staff, the Basin was the best cricket ground, test or otherwise, certainly better than the Caketon until 2011. Then it became Bay Oval at Mount Maunganui. That's because I moved to the Bay in 2011, and it's better for me to go and watch cricket. And it's all about me. <laughs> Craig, if you lived in Dunedin, where would be the best test cricket venue? I suppose you'd say um, University Oval. Um Someone saying go to punters on Facebook and find the post read Jamie Carr drive to survive type doco to be made. You're welcome. That will be fascinating. Um, Staffy, good point about the wind masking the inadequacies in general. After taking the emotion out of the equation, I reluctantly have come to the conclusion that England lost the test rather than we won it. England's attacking mindset came back to haunt them, really, as they could have won quite easily playing along the ground more. They had the game in the bag, but did a few Saudi-type swipes at the ball. Anyway, it was great entertainment, wasn't it, Richard? It sure was. And you know what? I was watching at the end of the game, and Brendan McCullum came out, and he was shaking hands. And he, he to me, epitomised... A man that had lost the game in his head, but he'd won the game in his heart. And that's not saying that he's a New Zealander at heart, which he is, but what a game of test cricket. And when he took the job, he said he wanted to make test cricket sexy again or something like that, and that was a sexy game. So almost even though his team didn't win, it was mission accomplished. It was mission accomplished. Um, Staff, if you oh sorry, oh, you always get. Can you ask Dylan if there's any chance Hamish Rutherford can get back in the team, especially as his form has been reasonable for a while now, or is he passed as used by date? Reading between the lines, I, I didn't ask him that. I've only just seen your text. Sorry, Graham. Um, the feeling with Dylan and with a lot of people is we need some youngsters and we need them bad. We do need them bad. It's almost like we need to take a step back before we go forward. Uh, from Richard, hey, Staffy, great win by the boys. Question, has Henry Nichols done enough to keep his spot? For me, I just don't feel like he has. Tough decisions to be had. What are your thoughts? Rich, I'm going to share my thoughts on the Henry Nichols situation after the news, okay? Because um, I've got some stats on Henry. Henry's a hell of a nice bloke. So always remember, if I'm critical or observational, it's not the person, it'll be the cricketer. Um, is he the right option at the moment? Everyone will be divided in their opinions. And uh, I've got some stats on him, and uh, I'll share them after the news, which is coming up now with Johnny Mack, and also in the next half hour, Grace Brooker from Matatu. Uh, text in from Craig saying, before his tour of duty ends, does Private M, which is Manai, have any thoughts on what the next afternoon bracket should be? We will be squeezing every bit of random ideas we can out of Manoa because he is the most random person I've ever met. 
Calculated. Cal- calculated. Cal- uh, randomly calculated, yes. Uh, also, I think I should be given a shot at redemption by running the chase today. Worst case scenario is there'd be more bloopers, Michelle. That was so much fun when Mattia ran the chase for the first time ever. It was brutal, it's, it's, man. A hectic, it's a hectic segment. It's, uh, there's a lot, you know, a lot and, going on, a lot of buttons, a lot of... And now having seen how Sammy does it, I, I know that he grows an extra arm when he does it, and I think yeah. that's where I was going wrong. So, you know how... Um, there's a lot of there are a lot of memes that come out in videos about golfers who like overthink. Mm. There was actually one I saw this morning where the guy's like steps up to boys like easy swing, just back through, practice swing there, just gonna try and hit this stuff. And then as he squares up to the ball, there's then just like a million voiceovers like hit the ball, follow through, make sure you follow things, lift your shoulders, yeah, and like and he just hits this crap shot. Sort of like that with the chase, I think, with Manai. Once he's sitting down in the chair and you just start thinking about it all, it just and you've got buzzers, you yeah. got a clock. Yeah, buzzers, you got a clock, and you just, you crumble. But different sort of pressure today, I think, Steph. Just a little surprise there for you, a little teaser. Is there? Yeah. Mm. Different sort of pressure for, for one of you or one someone in this building. Mm. Different sort of pressure today. Different pressure. Uh, big pressure tomorrow. We are going to bring you the show tomorrow from Wahlburgers. Oh. Mm. Great result. Yeah, and you're not here tomorrow, so I'm not actually. And we probably should make the mention this is actually the last show as this trio because mm. uh, I'm not here tomorrow, and tomorrow is Manai's last day. Mm. So, you know, big shout out there to the to the trio. To private the big, the big three. The is, big that, is that what they called the LeBron, Chris Brock? Was it the big three? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah the big three. And Dwayne Wade. Mm. I like to think you're sort of the Chris Bosch of this group. Damn it, because I love Dwayne Wade. <laughs> I love Dwayne Wade. It's, um, what's, our, what's our group chat called on WhatsApp? Arvo Febs. Arvo's Feb, because this is pretty much exclusively a February thing until, uh, until of course, today. March. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. So, yeah, Manai's um, packing his bags tomorrow, so we'll have a send-off uh, from Wahlburgers tomorrow. Do feel free to come down if you want between 12 and 3. We'll be down there. I cannot wait to sample the fair down there. It's If you don't know where it is, it's right at the very end of uh, Prince's Wharf, uh, where Euro used to be, underneath the Hilton Hotel. So fantastic location. So we'll be there from 12 to 3 tomorrow. Um, Henry Nichols, here's some stats. Test batting average. His best two batting averages against Bangladesh, where he averages 61, and Sri Lanka, where he averages 59. Uh, Since he's been batting number four when Ross left, he's averaged 19. His last 30 innings, he's averaged 32. His last 20 innings, he's averaged 23. Last 10 innings, he's averaged 15. There's a trend. Um, this series, he's averaged 17 and a half. Not really what you want from your number four. Is he a spent force? No. Is he a spent force for now? That's what's up for debate. Would he benefit from... Well, the problem is there's no more domestic cricket here. I don't know what he's doing in uh, the New Zealand winter. Um, but questions. Do we have someone to take his place as well? I didn't realise Will Young wasn't young. He's over 30 of which I learnt from Dylan Cleaver. I didn't bother to look up his um, look up his age, but I don't know what it is. Um, I think Dylan's bang on. We, for years, haven't um, persevered with a spinner. Probably not since Stephen Bock and then John Bracewell and a bit of Deepak Patel. And that's sort of it, I think. Has there been anyone else since then who have really... Persevere with Paul Wiseman was in and out, wasn't he? Um, 
AJS Patel took 10 wickets, can't get a decent regular crack. We've had Mitch Santner, Ish Sodi, um, Todd Astle, Mark, 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 that guy Mark, um, the tall guy that came over from Australia who was well into his 30s, uh, Will Somerville, Mark Craig is the one I'm trying to think of. We've dabbled with spinners, but we haven't persevered. Um, surely AJS Patel is worth persevering with. Michael Bracewell, top-line spinner. I don't know enough about spin bowling, whether he's the guy. Um, I, England persevere with Jack Leach. Australia have Nathan Lyon and others. Every team has spinners except New Zealand. And is that a trick we're missing? Is that a trick we're missing? I know when I talked to Jimmy Smith yesterday, he mentioned that he had a, a text from a former Australian captain saying, what are New Zealand doing? not bowling their spinner. It's turning. Why aren't they bowling a spinner? All we had, all we had on the park was Southie and Wagner when Matt Henry went down. There was Daryl Mitchell there. He's part-time. He's not going to win you a test match. He might, you know, but Bracewell was the obvious one. They just kept with Wagner. Now in the fullness of time, Wagner worked. Um, But we didn't have that spinning option to really close in around the bat when their tail enders are in. Uh, we just didn't have a, a spinning answer, did we? So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Hey, staff, hearing it. This is from Tomo in Australia. Hey, staff, here in Oz, I keep hearing the name Ben Sears, but I'm yet to ever see him bowl. Is he an option? Also, I think your two best batters should always be three and four. And even though Conway has done well as an opener, I think he should be at four and find a partner for Latham. You're not alone there, Tomo. You are not alone there. That... A lot of people feel that um, Conway should be down a little bit, and I think it's maybe because there isn't someone strong enough to open. And I don't follow the domestic game close enough to uh, suggest another option. There's people out there that follow the domestic game religiously, so I'd love to hear from you with some options. Oh, Vittori, of course. Someone's text through Vittori, got a decent crack. I knew I'd forgotten one. I knew I forgot. Jeetan Patel? I don't say that. I don't think he was a regular. He really struggled to, to take, um, to command one of the eleven guys named. Like for years, we just seemed to go in with pace and maybe a part-time spin. I've always thought Kane Williamson was a good spinner, um, but he had that wonky action that got called up, and he had to go and get measured and all that sort of stuff. And I think he maybe has lost confidence in spinning. But frontline spinner, I want a frontline spinner. Um, Vittori, yeah, Vittori, yeah. <laughs> I miss Vittori, okay? I miss Vittori as I was wrecking my somewhat foggy brain. Um, what? Holy heck. Where's our South Canterbury representative going? Manaya has represented us well, even though he's from Waimata. He will be miss PJ from Tamuka, yes. Another one reminding me of Daniel Vittori. I got the Daniel Vittori vibe, yep. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what the – one other point that Dylan Cleaver made, which I thought was very pertinent, is we don't have 16 county teams to choose from. We just have our domestic teams, Northern, Central, Canberra, Otago, Auckland, Wellington, six teams. And the academies behind that, they won't be as strong as English county cricket. Do we need to send some youngsters 
do we need to identify some kids out of school? Can we afford to identify some kids out of school and send them to English county academies to get them up to standard? Would England welcome them in with open arms to develop players to send them home and take on England? Um, it's I just have a concern that our feeling and our emotion and the result that happened yesterday, they will become fewer and fewer and less remedial action on not even the long-term future, but the medium and short-term future of cricket in New Zealand, because we love that. New Zealand loved yesterday, and I want more of that. And have we got the setup at the moment to not guarantee it, but give ourselves the opportunity to do it again? We will see in the fullness of time. Looking forward to seeing the squads that are going to take on um, Sri Lanka, actually. What changes they'll make, who they'll bring in. Obviously, Matt Henry's going to have to be replaced. Will that be a Kugelein or a or a Tickner or someone else? Anyway, so much to talk about with cricket in the near future. We are going to take a break. On the other side, Grace Brooker joins us. She missed most of last year with injury, which probably cost her a place. I'd say definitely cost her a place in the Black Ferns World Cup campaign, but she is back. She's very good rugby player, massive future as well. She plays for Matatu. They picked up their first ever win in Super Rugby Opiki last week against the Blues. She will join the show right after this. Well, it's been a long time coming for the Matatu Super Rugby Opiki team, but they got the win, uh, 33-31 over the Blues down there in Dunedin. And joining us now is the second five from Matatu, Grace Brooker. What a relief. What a joy. What a relief. Yeah, such a joy, honestly. I was on the sideline when um, the ball didn't go over the post and, man, the relief that overwhelmed us. We went nuts on the sideline, eh? <laughs> a heck of a start to the game. Um, you had you had a pre-season game against the Power. Um, not a great result for you guys. And then you go down to Dunedin. You were 19-0 up after 30 minutes. Um, it must have been a bit of a blur, was it? It was, definitely, yeah. It was... Um, we were pretty excited when we went in at half time. We um, were pretty stoked with how we started and knew we just needed to keep that transition attack going because that's how we scored all of our points, you know, off kicks or turnovers or whatever. So, um, yeah, keep the heat on that way. But we uh, let the throttle off a little bit and they, they definitely took their opportunity um, when they presented themselves to snuck back in. And as you mentioned, uh, Ruahe Demont, she had a conversion to go to extra time. Uh, obviously, that never happened. Do you feel like um, the ascendancy was cert- certainly with the blue side and they would have backed themselves for extra time? Were you nervous? Were you excited? Can you talk us through those last few moments? Yeah, well, I was on the sideline and um, Nuggie was actually sitting in our, in our um, bench and he said, <laughs> do you go to Golden, Ty- uh, Golden Point? And I looked at everyone, I was like, I actually, I actually have no idea. So um, we found that out pretty quick that it would go to Golden Point. And I, I was a wee bit nervous, but I um, I think after a wee breath or two, we would have been back into it. Um, it's obviously so fast under the roof down there. I've never played down there before. And it, holy heck, it's a, it's a different game under there, eh? Yeah, tell me about that experience then, because I remember the first time I ever went to Dunedin to, just to watch a game, and it was such a, a different experience for the spectator. Just just the sound reverberates around there. There's very little wind. There's a little bit comes through the corners. But playing on that, how can you describe the difference between playing at an indoor stadium like Forsyth Bar compared to every other game you've ever played that would be outside? Yeah, yeah, honestly, it's so fast. And the sound, holy, that's crazy. You have to like 
be right beside your mate to hear what they're saying. Um, even though we didn't have like a huge crowd there, it was still it just echoes. And um, but the speed of the game is crazy. It's like non-stop. And if you don't have the wind and stuff, you get so hot and just sweaty. And but it's pretty fun. It's good. It's good for the fans. I'm pretty sure. But. I don't know how the Fords enjoyed it. <laughs> Good for the fitness too, really, because um, I guess you'd sleep well after a game down there being so fast. Uh, I, I'm interested in the Matatu unit. Obviously, it's a combination. It's the whole South Island. So in, in old terms, it's a combination of the Crusaders and the Highlanders. Does that <laughs> um, – do you get solidarity and unity that it's a group coming together? Admittedly, it is your second year together as a group, as Matatu – but have you created a whole new identity in the way that a new club that forms, they develop that? Yeah, definitely. Um, in 2021, it would have been um, our GM, uh, Sarah Munro, absolute legend, mother. She got a few of us players who were from Canterbury and from Tasman area and a couple from the Highlanders region as well. And we all sat down and gave ideas and it was a real collaborative um, approach to how we were going to uh, come into uh, the super scene. And we, that was really important to us. We wanted to be uh, different to Highlanders, different to Crusaders, and really make our own identity. And I think uh, the team's done that so well, and the, the uh, people behind the team as well have done amazing job with the visuals and the culture and everything like that. We've been so lucky to be gifted our name and um, what that represents So. Yeah, it's been a huge input from everyone all over the South Island, which has been amazing. There's a few changes to a few of the squads this year from last year, and I guess um, the one that makes the most noise out of Matatu is Kendra Coxedge. Now, not only are you losing a wonderful player, but it's so hard to replace the experience uh, that she brings to a squad. Um, part A, does she still pop along and have a yarn and have a chat or have a look? And how do you deal with loss of experience like that? Yeah, she definitely pops along every now and again, jumps into the office, has a little sideline a couple of times. But I think something that we um, have done really well to adapt that loss is everyone's kind of had a voice now. Uh, and back in the day, it was kind of Kendra's voice that was listened to the most, you know, because she has that experience and, uh, when she speaks, everyone kind of shuts up and listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with our backline, especially in our playmakers, like Rosie Kelly has stepped up phenomenally. She is crazy good at what she's doing these days and just drives us around the paddock so well. And Dahini has come in and absolutely owned that halfback role. So it's a big loss of experience, but it's also given everyone the opportunity to stand up and really take lead. Yeah, that's cool, because it can go one of two ways, can't it? People can go into their show and go, oh, God, who's going to lead us? Who's going to talk to us? <laughs> uh, but if you stand up and, and prepare to be one of the vocal ones, um, it's really empowering for for a lot of the youngsters too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And our leadership group, um, Alana Bremner, captain, is absolutely, you know, that stoic hero, I'd say. And um, she leads us in the direction. She leads by example. Every, every day, every week, every moment. So we're super lucky to have those players to follow. And it was awesome that you're back out on the park now. Um, you come back from a, a long-term <laughs> injury, which um, put you out of the Women's Rugby World Cup, which I was so 
devastated for you, Grace, but um, it's awesome to see you've come through that and you're back playing good footy again. But um, how did you follow the Women's Rugby World Cup? Were, were you completely wrapped up in it like all of us other Kiwis? Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> I was super fortunate that uh, Whitney Hampton and Smithy set up an opportunity where I could um, I'd preview all our opposition wow. and come back to them and how we would we should attack them and come up with ideas and things like that. So I was, I was still involved quite a bit, and um, that made it a lot easier. I was obviously, at moments when they ran onto the field that first game, I was pretty um, heartbroken, but my sister texted me a message and she said, well, it's not going to change, so you might as well be happy for them. And I was like, well, yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, she's very black and white, that girl, but uh, it's what I needed to hear. And it was so cool because I had so many friends in the team. So instead of sitting there being like, oh, I wish I was there, it was just cool to celebrate them. And holy, they pulled through. They absolutely made a difference. And it was just crazy to watch. Now, while that was amazing, and I love uh, Super Rugby Opiki as well, I've got an observation, Grace, and, I, and I'm a bit pissed off that uh, we've won the Rugby World Cup, and then the next time we see the women's game on show in New Zealand, it's a month tournament. There's three rounds, a final, done. And then we have to wait till Farah Palmer. Um, I thought there, sh- there should be, I think the public, there's an appetite, even a home and away, you know, double it, go six rounds and then finals. Is it a bit disappointing as a player? You've just, it's it's like, it's not a season, it's a month. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, as players as well, like, we want to play. We train so much and to not play the games is, is, you know, that's the reward, right, for all that hard work we put in. And it's also hard for girls because, um a lot of the girls, if you're not a black fan contracted player, then you're taking time off work for a month and you're getting paid probably less than what you get in your job. And then only getting to play five games is pretty, um, pretty harsh, pretty hard to, you know, really make continuity in the team and things like that. But hopefully that's something in the future. And I'm sure uh, NZR are looking forward to that and looking, looking to the future to make it happen. Cause there's also the, uh, Super Rugby over in Australia that the girls are going to and the Premiership League in England that just have more games and not necessarily more money or anything like that, but everyone just wants to play. Yeah, that's the, I saw Amy Rule interviewed on TV the other day and she said, <laughs> I just want to play rugby. I just want to play yeah. rugby. And it's not about money. It's I want to play rugby because you've got a rugby career for maybe 10 years. I want, I want to play as many games as I can and I think that's fair enough. And the, if the opportunities aren't here... The scary thing for me is uh, you guys are going to start trickling away. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a real possibility. So even with the NRL now, like they're getting more games, more money and everything like that. So it's an easy transition for some of the girls um, and more appealing because, as you said, it's not just five games. Yeah, and money, while it's uh, it's certainly not the reason you guys play, as you've just mentioned, you have to take time off to work. So if you're taking time off, uh, no one's going to pay your rent, no one's going to buy your groceries and pay your power bills. Um, so if you can go and play somewhere else and make the money to pay your bills, it, it sort of makes sense to me. Um, looking ahead to this week, Grace, um, you've got the power, Hurricanes power. Uh, mm-hmm. Their scrum 
was destroyed by Chiefs Manawa yeah. last week, and you got a black fern front row. They will be eating steak all week, I'd imagine, and having angry <laughs> pills and just look to destroy. That must be something they're looking forward to. Oh, absolutely. They were doing um, some scrum work yesterday on their speed set, so it looked pretty It looked pretty hard. So I think they're absolutely frothing it. You know, Amy Rob loves the scrum, so she'll be, she'll be fizzing any time that, that whistle goes to... <laughs> to have a scrum. It's quite funny. Whenever there's a scrum call, the crowd goes, oh, but the front rows just go, let's go, let's go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I hope they um, realise that opportunity. I'm sure they will, and they'll absolutely take it head on, literally. And where are you at with your game, Grace? Are you happy with where you're at? Obviously, as I say, you've been out for a while, and you've been training like crazy. Um, <laughs> did, did you feel a little bit off last week? Do you feel like there's a lot of improvement in you personally? Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of it's changed quite a bit because obviously um, you kind of get new style of running and new things like that. Um, and unfortunately, like I still play with a lot of pain and things like that. So my games change quite a bit. I have to be a bit smarter, which isn't my um, my strength, but that's okay. <laughs> you're um, smart, Grace. You're smart. <laughs> I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> but. No, it was. Um, there's definitely moments in the game I'll be there, and I'll. It would take me a couple of clicks longer to figure out what we're doing. I, I don't know if you watched the game, but there was a couple of times there was high balls, and I was under it, and someone else was calling, and it took me, yeah, a few moments to realise. Oh, like you wanted to catch the ball, you know, <laughs> instead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's been it's been pretty hard training, um, and not playing, but just super happy to be back. Um, I still think there's a heap of improvement in my personal game. We were lucky to have that preseason game because, um, man, I was I was shaking. I've never been so nervous in my life uh, sitting up for that preseason game and the kickoff. I was just I was I was I would never say don't pass me the ball, but I was at the point where I was like, if you pass me the ball, I'm shaking so much that I'd just drop it. <laughs> so, yeah, getting back into it last week was uh, I felt a lot more in the flow of things. Um, and I feel my game like adapting each week. So super excited for this weekend and hopefully, um, yeah, just keep going up from here. Brilliant. Yep. You'll get better every week, as you say. And as anyone knows, time on the park, it's a place where you can train the house down. But those minutes while the referee's out there blowing the whistle, that's where your, your skills get honed. Um, you've got a wonderful future, Grace. I really appreciate you chatting to us today. And I wish you all the best this weekend and the rest of the very, unfortunately, short season. But um, I know you'll go boots and all and make the most of it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Great talking to you. If I'm never sure who's going to talk to us from the TRB, I hear brother love out of uh, Raratonga. I know it's Paul Mawari. Kia orana, Paul. Yes, kia orana, Steph. How's it all going, mate? Look, I've, I've had so many people saying Paul Mawari is going to give us an update on the New Zealand Open. <laughs> uh, expect those odds to be out later on this evening. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Once you've got yes. the official draw and the tea times and all that sort of stuff. I know it well. Yep. Hey, hold on a minute. Hold off the press. Outright winner market. Boom, boom, boom. It's there. Brad Kennedy. Favourite at 13 or well. Co-favourite at $13 with Jason, uh, Jason uh, Shrivner at 13 as well. Uh, best Kiwi, Stephen Alka, $19. Mm. Now, we talked to the course superintendent, 
and he in no uncertain terms said the course sets up well for someone, don't have to be a long driver, you have to be accurate and a good putter. And I said to him, are you telling me Stephen Elka? He said yes. Uh, I'll just there's a few Kiwis up towards the top of the leaderboard uh, in terms of uh, favoritism. Ben Campbell is at 26. Michael Hendry, who's won it before, at 23 dollars, and Daniel Hillier. Uh, maybe he's worth a little stab at $36. He's been flying his trade out there in Europe um, and hasn't been doing too badly. So, yeah, but uh, with like you, Stephen Elka, he's just like a central Otago Pino. He just gets better with age, Stephen Elka. Yeah, the uh, only, yeah, the only thing about him is the field isn't full of 50-year-olds. That, that's, that, <laughs> that's my only concern there. I might have a little speculator on Ben Campbell because that's where he plays, and I think home course advantage is massive. Um, he's got a lot of backers down there. I might see if we can get him on. Oh, no, they start tomorrow, don't they? I probably won't be able to get him on tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a damn good field, actually. As I'm scroll, scrolling down, Denzel Yeramir is in there at 67s. Um, what about the long-hitting Japanese? Uh, there he is, Makumu Horikawa, the longest hitter on the Japanese tour. 51. Yes. Uh, yes. Mm. But as the uh, what the course superintendent said... Yes, yes, that's true. That is the, true. The, the big boys, it just won't favour them. Heed the warning. Heed the warning. All right. Um, mm. The wash-up of the test cricket, a volatile market. I would have been hate. I would have hated to be the bookie in charge of the live betting odds. You'd just be tossing coins all day. Oh, and it was exactly like that, uh, Staff. Uh, in fact, I think the Black Caps, they got out to around $9 um, when England needed 10 or so runs. Uh, to win, so it, and that it fluctuated all day. It was all as you, yeah. It was all over the place. Yeah, um, England were favourites, and the Black Cats were favourites, and then it swung back. You know, every time there was a wicket, then like a little bit of a partnership together, it hit a boundary bang, and it it was just it was absolutely crazy. Mm. Now, while we've got Super Rugby and we've got the opening round of the NRL, something that's fallen off the radar a little bit, and I don't know why they've taken two weeks off, is the is the basketball final, uh, and we head across to Sydney, and the Kings are taking on the Breakers. I see the win probability here on the TAB website has 61% chance the Kings, 39% Breakers. Previous meetings, uh, four wins to Sydney, one to the Breakers. It would be a huge coup if New Zealand could go over and steal that first game. Uh, it certainly would be, and the money would suggest that they are a chance. They opened up at 260, now into 245, the Breakers, to win game one on Friday Friday night. Kings drifted out slightly to $1.50. The boys have put together a number of power plays uh, for that uh, first uh, final between the Kings and the Breakers. Just having a look down the list here. Um, here's a popular one, and it's paying $10, Steph. Both teams to score 50 plus points in the first half. $10. That has seen a wee bit of support. And I think we had a, a bit of a break for the international window because mm. uh, the Tall Blacks were playing uh, here in Wellington, uh, what was it, last? On Monday night. It was on Monday night against Lebanon. Yep. Um, so, yeah, just, a, just a, I guess, a scheduling thing, unfortunately. But, yeah, uh, the Breakers have been well supported in that head-to-head market. Now into 245. Um, and they've been backed in from five and a half point favourites and uh, five and a half point underdogs 
and the four and a half point underdogs. New Zealand Breakers win and both teams score 90, $10. I think I even prefer that to both score 50 in the first half. I think I do. <laughs> I think I do. All right. Yeah. Uh, what else today, Paulie? Um, well, I guess if we look at the thoroughbred code, mm. we've got a meeting at Awapuni, which uh, is usually at Hastings. It's Lowland Stakes Day. Another chance for the Phillies to go around um, before they attack the Oaks, which is in around, what, two and a half weeks' time. Uh, Favourite in the Lowland Stakes today, uh, trained by Mark Walker out of the Tiako Bar with Opie Boston aboard. Number two, Family Ties, uh, $3.30 currently. The best back, though, uh, Penny Wicker, uh, $6 into $5, has seen a wee bit of money. And then further down the page has been a wee bit of specking about a double-digit uh, chance going round. Number 13, SA, 31s into $14, staff. That has been uh, one of the longer ones that have seen a wee bit of action. So the Peter Didham trained SA, 31s into 14. My one in that one's the Tony Pike trained uh, Michael McNabb runner uh, Val Dizoldo, uh, and it's drawn four. Has that had any money on it? Number eight. Yes, it has, Steph. Yes, it has indeed. Um, just looking down the page, that would be the first, second, third, fourth best backed uh, in that uh, final field win market. So Val Dizzolo, 6.50 into 5.50. It's been the fourth best backed in that final field win market. All right, so I need to put a bit more on to get it second or third best backed. That's clear. That's obvious. Uh, go Pikey. Go Pikey. <laughs> All right, mate. Uh, good yeah. to catch up as always, buddy. We, we'll do it again soon. Very good. Thank you, Steph. There's, mate. Uh, Paul Mawadi, TAB. Watch and bet. A lot of people messaged me when I mentioned yesterday you could watch the cricket on Watch and Bet. You can watch the NBA. You can watch a whole lot of things on the TAB website. All you need is an account and a balance in it. You don't need to have a bet on the match you're watching, but you do need something in your account. And then you just go to the Watch and Bet tab either in the TAB website or on the TAB app. It is all there for you. TAB.co.nz is the place to get it. We'll take a break and we'll find out. M- much respect to Johnny Mack and Aroha Hathaway for their new sport and weather. Sam goes rogue when it comes to the news and he'll have what's making news after this. Grazing in the grass. We are. <laughs> speaking of grazing, actually, and speaking of uh, pigs, uh, boars, Boars, we spoke yeah. about boars on wild Monday. Boars. Wild boars. Wild, wild boars. Wild, wild horses. Is that the Eagles? Who sings that song? Wild horse never gave me away. Oh. I don't know. <coughs> anyway, the boars, the pig problem. Mm. I'm labelling it the pig problem. The, the Rolling pig, Stones, sorry. Rolling Stones, Rolling Stones yeah. Uh The pig pandemic. Can I call it that? Yes. Um, too soon? The pigdemic? The pigdemic has reached uh, shores of North America. Really? Yeah, so let me just read this story out to you. For decades, wild pigs have been antagonising flora and fauna in the US, gobbling up crops, spreading disease, and even killing deer and elk. Uh, They reckon about $1.5 billion of damage each year. The government estimates 6 million wild or feral pigs. Now, as fears grow over the potential impact uh, in the US um, of of what these pigs can do, there is a new swine-related threat uh, up in Canada, uh, they're calling it a super pig. <laughs> it is a giant, incredibly intelligent, highly elusive 
beast capable of surviving cold temperatures by tunneling under snow and is poised to infiltrate the north of the US of A. It is called a super pig as a result of crossbreeding between domestic pigs and wild boars. Wow. So you get the best of both worlds. You get a pig that, you know, is smart and knows its way around a household, but you also get the, you know, the animal instinct of a boar and the, the, the untamed, That's you know, sort of thing. So, yeah, super pig, they're calling it. I'd never think that wild pigs and boars would create such an issue for the ecosystem. It's like the possums here, isn't it, and the rabbits? Correct, yeah, and possums in Australia are protected, right? Like yeah, it's, it's weird. It's very weird. And <clears throat> um, I remember when I was down at, like, Tihoi, this adventure school with, with St Paul's, and all in the mountains and on, on the sort of the, the ranges that there was just, um, is it called pig rooting? Yeah. Where they rip up the ground to look for truffles. Um, yeah, it's just every, like the whole sort of mountainside is just like chewed up grass and it's just them <laughs> going at it in the, gr- in the ground. And what was that thing we talked about before about how pigs can't, or not before, but a while ago, pigs can't look up at the sky? Pigs can't look up, yeah. Yeah, because they, their necks. Is, is that why they can't fly? We, you said the exact same thing at the time. Mm. Yeah. Uh, TBC. Okay. Uh, investigation ongoing. Do you remember two or three weeks ago, um, Tiger, there was the girl in the crowd with the sign that said, like, you know, go to go to a golf major, get a um, signature from Tiger, or meet Tiger Woods. And his caddy saw the sign and got Tiger to go up to her and meet and greet her and then she and then he ticked the box uh. himself well the third thing on her box I believe was go to the Masters and sensing the opportunity here the Masters uh, have given her an official invite so Madeline Quinn who is only 10 years old and was born with a hole in her heart uh, is ticking off the final box of her oh, checklist and going to the Masters so she's met Tiger and going to the Masters all within a couple of weeks Goose fantastic bumps. Yeah. Goose bumps. I know Master, I, I only recent golf and as you know Steph but I would love to go to the Masters like it just looks amazing I had the opportunity and didn't go didn't you mm. um, Guy Havelt got the opportunity to play the Masters I know, I know. They, pick, they pick names out of a hat don't they for the media and for you the get media. a chance you get a one chance in 30 or something oh. he plucked it yeah I had the chance to go and I think he shot pretty well as, as, from memory too Guy he got shoot. a birdie I think yeah, he maybe. birdied a hole yeah wow We'll get him on before the Masters. Yeah. He, and I, I remember we got him on this time last year, just before the Masters, and I said, I know you've probably done. He goes, mate, I love talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he always backs Tiger Woods. Um, now, this one, people, was concerning, interesting, uh, exciting for some. Mm-hmm. Certainly not for me. Uh, China has invented a new device uh, that allows couples to share a kiss with real physical intimacy from anywhere in the world. So this is taking long distance to a whole new level because the, the device, which is made of silicon, um, it attaches to your cell phone and is equipped with a silicon mould of your partner's or person's lips that has sensors and actuators to mimic an actual kiss from the other end. So you basically kiss this fake silicon mould and it's supposed to feel like you're kissing your partner. Oh, move on. That's 40 bucks. That's just icky. 40 bucks. You say that, Steph, but, you know, you walk into a shop and you see that, you know, next to the counter and you get curious and... So you're sitting there pashing your phone? <laughs> no, you're pashing, like, a fake set of lips. That's stuck to <laughs> that the phone. That are probably charged by your phone, yeah. You're connected somehow. Thoughts? Nah. 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 Not doing it. Uh, and finally, a Michigan man who accidentally how do you know some bloke hasn't picked her phone up? Sorry, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, there'd be a lot of catfishing out there to a whole new level. Um, a Michigan man who accidentally bought two identical lotto tickets uh, for the same lottery draw ended up winning two different jackpots and uh, won about $250,000. 67-year-old from Oakland County. Um, he told lottery officials that he bought both of his tickets um, for the Feb 6 draw at different dates. Um, he says, every week I purchase a multi-draw Fantasy 5 ticket with the same set of numbers I've been playing for four years. I was going out of town, so I bought a multi-draw ticket to cover the drawings while I was gone. There was some overlap on the drawings of the new ticket and the multi-draw ticket, and uh, he ended up winning both. Fantastic. Which just rips uniting for all those people who genuinely try every... This guy's accidentally done it, and he's won himself My twice. dad's bought a lot of ticket every week since it started in 86. Never won? Oh, he's won uh, bottom division, I think, about half a dozen times, and I think the next one up maybe once. Yeah, and you've won it as well. I you've got, won yeah, second, I got second division. division. On my third ever lottery ticket, and I've probably bought two since then. Um, fact to finish. Please. Mount Everest. Big. Huge. Monster. Some would say the biggest. Mm. Some wouldn't, though. There's a lot of controversy around it's that. Sinking. Thing, if you know. It's sinking. No, it's actually it's rising. It it's oh. grow, grows by four, uh, four millimetres every year. No, but there's contention around the fact that it, there's a one in Hawaii that goes below sea level, and so theoretically it's a it's a taller mountain. Oh, underwater. It, yeah, but it just doesn't go as high into the sky. But what if I told you that Mount Everest isn't always going to be the top mountain, Steph, because there's a mountain in Pakistan that grows by seven millimetres per year, which is nearly double Everest. So over time, it'll eventually take it over, mm. and you won't have Everest as the tallest mountain in the world just thought you'd like to know. Thanks, mate. No worries. Take a break. Another text on the cricket saying, in regards to spinners, have we moved on from Sodi? I hope not. I like Ish Sodi. I like his for And he's he's got better each season. He's always working on his craft. But, but they just don't stick with spinners. I think they've moved on from every spinner since Daniel Vittori. They get a, a glimpse at a crack. They take 10 wickets in an innings and they go, don't need you anymore. Um, we've had a tip for the New Zealand Golf Open from someone who's texting. And he says, get on Tyler Hodge in the New Zealand Open. And a quick scan down tells me Tyler Hodge is paying $500 to win the New Zealand Open. Are you serious or are you taking it? Are you taking the piddle? 500 to 1. So when the top five and the top ten markets, etc., come out, I'm going to put a lazy five on Tyler Hodge because I've now read it and I don't want to miss it. I do not want to miss it. Um, very soon, uh, at about quarter past, we're going to catch up with Cameron Brown. I think he's 50 or turned 50 or 51, something like that. Absolute legend of the greatest of all time, you'd have to say, from New Zealand in the Ironman scene. 12-time Ironman winner, um, and this is his last professional race. So we'll ask what uh, what he's going to do next. I can't see him stop competing. He'll become a multiple world age group champion, I would imagine. Um, but how's his body kept going for so long? Um, Ironman, what is it? Three k swim, two point eight, two point seven, something like that. One hundred and sixty k bike in a marathon. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's insanity. And then they go do it at like in Kona, where it's you know forty degrees. Um, he is gonna. He's got a couple more races, I think, this year. Oh, has he? This is, a la- this is his last New Zealand one. Oh, couple more races this, this year, and then that'll be it for his, him as a professional. But like you said, probably can't kick the bug right. A lot of adrenaline pumping through those sorts of guys' veins, mm. and adventure and everything. Um, I, I've always wondered 
those guys when they finish up what does a Sunday afternoon run look like to them you know I know <laughs> is, it, is, it a, is it a casual 20k's um, you know, at a, at a fair Because their definition of relaxation is different to most of us. Like mm. even at the complete other end of the spectrum, we've spoken to Molly Spark often, and I said, what do you do when you're not training? Oh, I'll go for a hike. Yeah. You know? Yep. No, do I'm you not about that. lie on your couch for five hours and binge watch a, a Netflix docket? They don't do that, those sorts of people. And I wish I had a bit of their wiring, Sam. Yeah, me too, because if I said to you it's a Sunday it's just a Sunday morning, you wake up, it's nice weather outside and someone says to you, hey, do you want to go for a walk? Like our walk around the track, you know, around this sort of loop thing. I can't think of anything worse, Steph. Um, I just want to park up on a Sunday. I've you know, had a long week, whatever. You generally do stuff on a Saturday. So I just want to do nothing on a Sunday. But like you said, I just wish I had that mm. urge to want to do something well, like that. My sister lives in Papamaya and I I go down there a lot. And she would have asked me half a dozen times, do you want to go down the mountain? We'll walk around the mountain. No. Uh, doesn't appeal, does it? it I'll walk into appeal. a cafe and I'll walk out of the cafe. Yeah. That's my walk. A lot of steps. Yeah. You get your Fitbit on. That's a lot of steps. A lot of steps. Yeah. Um, but Cam Brown, I don't think she realised he was that old, to be honest. But um, all the stars are going to be there, right? At the at the um, top, I mean, like Braden Curry's going to be there. Um, and the woman's champ, whose name is evading me right now. Um, oh, it's escaping me too. And I know I it as it. well. I know it as well. Um, it's fantastic. And. and Remember, we got the the guy on who calls them home. Hannibal. You are Hannibal. Hannibal. Yeah. You are an Iron Man. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And he's what was finished. his name? Um, that guy. Oh. <laughs> We're having a shocker. Don't do that to me with names. Um, Sorry, Daniel Vittori. Um, wasn't Daniel Vittori? Yeah, but we had him on, and um, I wonder who's going to do that this year. You are an Iron Man. Well, maybe it's you. Oh, if they ask me, I've got the media lady's number. If you want to. <clears throat> Give a ring. I'll actually tell you a couple of things here if I might, Steph, just before we get to um, Cameron. Um, so reigning Ironman New Zealand champs, Hannah Berry, Braden Curry, back to defend their titles. 12-time Ironman champ Cameron Brown is going to race in the event for the last time as a professional 50 years of age. Meredith Kessler. Now, this one says TBC, so I'm not sure if um, she is in this one. Five-time Ironman New Zealand champion will return to the event for the first time since 2020. Before that, the American had raced the event every year bar one, 2018, since 2012, wow. achieving a podium on every occasion. Uh, 2014 Ironman world champion and two-time Ironman 70.3 world champion Sebastian Kienel from DEU. I was going to say Denmark, but what's DEU? Deutschland. Deutschland? German? Don't know. Uh, he'll be making his Ironman New Zealand debut after announcing his farewell tour. A, a list of bucket events he intends to race before the retirement at the end of the year. <clears throat> How about this one? Shipwreck survivor Els Visser from the Netherlands is making a special trip to Aotearoa to race her debut Ironman New Zealand in 2014 when Els and 25 other passengers were shipwrecked in Indonesia. Wow. She and a Kiwi woman called Gaylene swam for eight hours to a nearby uninhabited island where they slept for the night before being rescued by passing boat the next day. we got to get this person on. Oh, my God. The moment Elle says her second life started, uh, she will reunite with Gaylene after Ironman New Zealand in her hometown of Nelson, the first time the two will meet again since that night in Indonesia. Maybe we should get Elle's on. Could you you get on to that? Uh, Well, I'm not here tomorrow, but I'll pass it over to Manaya, and on his last day, he can... He can pull Imagine you something like that. Imagine that as a swan song uh, for Manaya. I'll, I'll move mountains to make it happen. The Pakistan mm. mountain or the uh, <laughs> Everest? Yeah, just don't put any ships in the way. Mm.
PTSD. That is a mu- what a story. That's phenomenal. I, to be honest, I hadn't read, pre-read this when I was giving it out to you there. So that's I've swum eight hours. Yep, I. You know me. I can. I can't swim eight meters. So <laughs> I would be screwed. They must have been swimmers before they. Oh, of course, no. I think it says here. <clears throat> In 2014, yeah. No, nah, she must have been an Iron Man swimmer. Mm, but still eight or hours. Iron Woman. Is it weird that we call them Iron Man when they should no, be I Iron it, Woman? No, I think it's Iron Man. Yeah, okay. I think Iron Man is the name of the distance. I think. Iron them? <laughs> I am them or iron them? Iron them. Mm. Iron they. I always just thought, I first thing I think about when I hear the word Iron Man, Nutrigrain. Ah, Nutrigrain Iron Man. I just well, yeah, but because Nutrigrain, all the boxes had the Iron Man symbol mm. on every box, and that's whenever someone said Iron Man, I just think of a bowl of Nutrigrain. And they've always sponsored the Iron Man series in Kalingata and all those the other big ones, coastal ones down there. And we had a guy on that competed that a Kiwi who who compete. I love watching that. Yeah, the surfs, the skiing. Now it's not swim. something that I necessarily can park up and watch an Iron Man. However, I love the ends of each section. So I love the end of the swim. I love, love the end of the bike, the transitions, and I love the end of the run. But I, I don't. Do you like triathlons, like Olympic triathlons? Triathlons I can do a bit more. Yeah, a little bit shorter. I can definitely get them behind that, especially if there's a Kiwi involved. Hate more. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. It's it's exciting. But mm. yeah, outside of that, I'm not. I can't really just park up and watch someone run. Mm. I tell you what. Makes me feel unfit. Let's park up and take our, our break because uh, Cameron Brown's going to join the show. If you've got me any questions. For Cam Brown, this is probably the last chance we'll have to talk to him before he hangs them up and retires. If you've got a burning question about what makes these Ironmen tick, Cameron Brown will join the show. Do get your questions in. I love asking our guest questions on your behalf. Double eight double three is the Temper Bed Post text machine number. Get yourself involved, Cam Brown. After the break, if you feel. Welcome back in. It is a massive weekend uh, for endurance athletes and endurance athletics fans and a massive weekend too for our best performed just year after year. I can probably say decade after decade. Cameron Brown competing in his last New Zealand Ironman as a professional. It is my understanding he joins the show now. G'day Cameron. Okay, mate. How are you? Very well. I can't believe like the big curtain is going to come down on your New Zealand Ironman career. It's like a second home for you. Yeah, it is. It is. It's always uh, great. It's a stunning day down here in Taupo, and uh, but yeah, even just I've just driven in, and um, man, there's you know there's a lot of trees down, and uh, it's, it's quite amazing to see the you know the devastation that. Uh, Cyclone Gabriel, you know, has hit um, even you know as far in as uh, as Taupo. Do you follow the same sort of build up to this is quite a pinnacle event I'd imagine for you. Do you do you have a tried and true method to build yourself up towards race day, sort of a, a few weeks slash months out? Uh oh, yeah, definitely yeah. It uh, hasn't changed much over those 25 years um but uh, def- probably over the last couple of years it's uh, I can't do the intensity that I used to be able to do and you know as a, as a uh, Athlete in your late twenties and early thirties, you can recover very, very fast. When you, when you're in your late forties or you know, as I am now fifty, it's um, a bit more challenging, and you do have to look after your, your body and, and make sure it is recovering. So that intensity sort of uh, disappears a little bit, and, and the the uh, recovery in between those sessions is a little bit longer. So as you've as you've got older and done all of those miles, is it? Is it, I'd imagine as a youngster, there's active recovery and now it's a little bit more passive. It's actually just stop moving and heal. Is it a bit more like that as you get on in, in life? Uh, 
no, no, it's actually the opposite. Oh, great. <laughs> when, I, uh, when I was, after, after every Ironman, um, you know, I would always have a break and have three weeks off, four weeks off after, and, you know, then build for the, the next following Ironman. And, uh, you know, I was able to rebound very, very quickly and get back into the training. But now, if I have a break, I um, I just get injured. So it's, yeah, active recovery is so important. And uh, I have to just, yeah, a few days later, just keep keep going because um, otherwise my body just seizes up and uh, I risk getting injured. And I've had quite a few injuries over the last five years. That's for sure. I was lucky in my early part of my career, but uh, it's uh, very very important to just keep the body moving and um, keep it uh, keep it going, because otherwise it'll just um, pack up on you. I asked the listeners uh, before we went to ads, Cam, if they had any questions for you, and they are coming in. So this one falls quite nicely what we're talking about at the moment. Can you please ask Cam if he's had any long-term leg joint issues and how he's managed them? Yeah, definitely my calves. Are, um, I probably had one Achilles injury, but uh, probably nearly every season now, um, you know, twice this year I've been uh, calf injury, so it's... It's just more, as I said, active recovery straight after I raced. I, I had a big break after um, I did a European season last year, and and I just needed a break. I was, you know, uh, pretty worn out, and again, uh, probably didn't do enough strength work in the gym. So strength work as you age as well is super important, and just heaps of calf raises um, and just making those. I think we yeah we lose strength over um, as we get older as well. So um, I'll be in the gym again. I've had a, a, a good program in the gym. Uh, uh, over the last few months, and it's um, it made me injury free. So I'll be doing that again as, uh, as soon as possible after after the weekend's race. And I know that you you put in <clears throat> out on the roads and in the water, but what about what you put in your mouth? How important is fueling this machine that's um, treated you pretty well over the last twenty five years? Uh, yeah, I'm probably uh, I, I like a bit of chocolate and uh, enjoy a, a bit of a bit of um, you know sort of uh, junk food occasionally. But yeah, it, it is a massive part. You know, it's the fourth discipline of uh, new um, Ironman racing. So if you, if you're not fueling the body all the time and um, and letting it you know, recover with good foods, then you're not going to last long. And being uh, you do push your your body to that red line, then you, you have to have um, you know, good nutrition in you. Otherwise. Uh, you get in, uh, sick, and um, and then it's time off and time away from training. So it is super important, and uh, just staying hydrated all the time. You know, when you're going out for five, six-hour rides, and when it's you know getting close to 30 degrees, and you know, you're going through sort of five to six um, bottles of uh, fluid on those rides, and, and uh, it's it's before, it's during, and it's after. So it just never stops, really. Have Have you ever got sick of it, or maybe that's probably too harsh a way to put it? Have you ever entertained the thought of doing something else? Uh, oh, I, th- I think it's it's happened. I mean, I thought I was going to retire, you know, ten years ago when I was forty, <laughs> and I'm I'm still doing it. But the, yeah, it's been creeping in my head more and more. And uh, I think uh, you know, it, this is my 25th year um, racing Ironman New Zealand. It's, yeah, it's about time now that I I start uh, easing back. And uh, I'll still um, I've still got some bucket list races that I want to do. Some original Ironmans that were. Um, that I haven't done yet. So Ironman Australia, um, which was sort of one of the original five, and Ironman Canada in uh, August. Um, and then, um, yeah, I think I'll be hanging up my shoes, but hopefully uh, I'll be racing age group um, next year and, um, and and trying to uh, get back to Hawaii at some stage as an age grouper. What about, um, like, just your performances are incredibly 
inspirational. What about passing on some of that knowledge to the youngsters? My understanding is you go and do some talks to some some younger athletes uh, when you can. Is that something that you want to get yourself a little bit more involved in? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I picked up my first um, part-time job this uh, well, last year, actually, um, at um, St. Kennegan College. Um, I'm the uh, head, triathlon head coach there, so uh, uh, that, that was term four last year and, and term one this year. So uh, it's just you know, six months of uh, trying to train them up for the, the triathlon season and their nationals are in um, Wanaka in, in, uh, at the end of March. So we're um, busy trying to get them as fit as possible. So uh, uh, three days a week uh, at the school there. So it's fantastic. We've got some great athletes and, and uh, you know, the future's looking bright. Um, I think uh, you have errors in the sport and... Uh, I think Hayden um, Wild is, is is the one at the moment that's um, you know doing extremely well and and, and pushing that uh, his case uh, you know with you know, podiums at uh, the World Championships, Commonwealth Games, and Olympics. So he's um, a bright spark for the future and, and one that uh, I think a lot of athletes will look up to. How much has your um, mental capacity to deal with um, I guess injuries, but fatigue and in these incredibly long long races do you feel like you're probably as mentally strong as you as you've ever been because i guess every race you fill up the experience cup yeah you do i mean experience is a massive part of our sport you know knowing how hard to push and knowing your uh, strengths and weaknesses um so you know you, you'll have an athlete that might be a great swimmer but you know not so strong on the bike or how much time do you give them on the bike if you my strength was all my always my running and i was able to you know have a bit of a time gap if someone came off the bike in front of me but, and, and chased them down but you know sometimes that doesn't work sometimes that athlete will um you know just keep going and, and have a fantastic race and that's happened here many many times before so uh but you do have to be mentally mentally strong 100 percent ready to, to push your body because um you know if you don't then that that next person that's knocking on the podium door will be uh trying to trying to get you off that podium so it's super important to you know over the last couple of weeks you get into taper mode so you start freshening up and and uh just not for the body but for uh, mentally to to really push it on um saturday to, to be 100 percent um mentally i often ask you people because you're so far removed from anything that i could do and i just I want to know what what's going through your mind when you're a hundred k's into that hundred and sixty k ride. Are you are you ever like constructing like the shopping list that you need to do next week, or where you're going to go on holiday, or what the next car I want to buy? Is it or is it all about the event you're in and your pace and and how's my my um, calorie intake, my water intake? Do you, do you have moments on the ride where you, your mind can just drift? Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, 180 k's is a long way to ride a, a bike. Um, you know, just you know, as a professional cyclist, it's 180 k's a long way. But when you add in a 3.8 k swim and a 42 k run at the, the end, then uh, yeah, it's it's even even longer day. So you do have to, um, you know, your, your mind does wander, and, and there's certain people, you know, they'll say, "Oh, did you see me out there?" And you don't wave, of course, because you know you're trying to concentrate. But yeah, you, you see everything going on out there. But um, you know, you're just fueling yourself every you know 15, 20 minutes, whether it be uh, gels, electrolytes, um, you know, coke, um, you know, bananas, whatever, and uh, pacing, looking at your wattage, your speed, um, your cadence. Um, so, but yeah, eight and a half hours is a long time. So it does does wander a, a little bit out there, and and um, but yeah, every athlete has their own sort of uh, 
strengths and weaknesses when they're out there. So you can get in people's brains and 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 you know and make them suffer. You know, there's a lot of that go that goes on, a lot of mind games. So uh, you have to be um, smart and, and know when your your uh, competitors are uh, you know taking the mickey out of you and, and you know might be uh, trying to push you rather than uh, <laughs> when they should be trying to ease back as well. So yes, yeah, it's it's a long time to you know and then I'm I'm finishing in you know sort of eight hours. There's people out there for 17 hours, so that's that's a cut off. So it is a massively long day for every athlete on that start line. That's that's something, and I'm pleased you brought that up because, and I'm not detracting from what you can do in eight hours, but I almost applaud as loud for the 17 hour ones because they've been redlining for 17 hours and you've been redlining for eight, and they deserve just as much as applause as you. I'd suggest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, a different type of racing. You know, we're, we're trying to race as fast as we can. We're a lot of people out there that are fishing, and that 15, 16 hour day, it's. It's just a, you know, it is a long training day and, and it's done at a different pace, but it still is a long time out there. So it's a, a massive day and, and, you know, they probably have, um, you know, probably more food than what we take on for, for our eight hours. You know, they've got to come try and get through a, nearly a whole day um, of being, you know, swimming, biking and running. So mm. it's, uh, yeah, I've uh, never been out there that long, but um, hopefully I'm never out there that long, <laughs> that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's... It, it is, you know, there's, and there's fantastic stories of what people have been through to get to that start line, and and some, sometimes that's more of a, a challenge than the actual race, you know, what they've overcome to, to get to that start line. Um, we've had another text message. I don't know if you've got a mate called Brett, but he has said the seventy point three worlds in Taupo, December twenty twenty four. Is Brownie planning on absolutely destroying the fifty to fifty four age group field? And let him know I'll be down supporting on Saturday. Good luck, mate, from Brett. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, not a few Bretts, but it's, um, yeah, it's uh, hopefully, hopefully it's the one I know. But um, yeah, yeah, there's, there's challenges like that. You know, I want to get back to Hawaii uh, maybe in 2024 as well, and, and Taupo, um, you know, maybe as an age trooper as well for that race. So um, it's, uh, those, yeah, those are goals that I want to continue to have, and I can't train without a goal. So it's, it's extremely important to. For me to, um, you know, have those long-term goals and short-term goals, and just keep uh, trying to push, you know, push my body to see what I'm capable of as, as I age. So uh, that's, you know, that sort of excites me for the for the future. And the last one, I'll read you uh, before we head away, uh, Cam. Someone's saying, "What's a 60-year-old Cameron going to be doing? Still running?" <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about running. It's um, it gets uh, <laughs> every morning I wake up, my uh, ankles get pretty stiff, but. Yeah, I love my biking. I love my gravel riding, and there's uh, a lot of um, gravel riding that I want to explore down the South Island. And so I'm sure, you know, I'll, I'll be um, hopefully still riding my bike, and you know, yeah, and hopefully still running trails because that's one thing I do love. You know, New Zealand has some incredible trails and trail networks and mountains that um, you know uh, I'd rather run up than walk up. So uh, yep, definitely some. Uh, some little goals even in training that I want to uh, pursue in the near future. Well, brilliant, Cameron Brown. What a career you've had and still having. Um, I'm not going to put the curtain down on it because you've still got things to do and tick off. Uh, you're an absolute testament to um, endurance, persistence and longevity um, to be applauded, Cam. And I wish you an enjoyable and rapid race at Ironman Taupo this weekend. Uh, thanks heaps for joining us. Go well. Appreciate it. Thanks very much.
Cameron Brown there. Um, gosh, what he hasn't achieved, it's just simply incredible. 12 years, New Zealand Ironman champion. His last one is a professional triathlete this weekend. If you're in and around the region, go and have a look and stay beyond the winners as well and cheer those uh, those other ones on <clears throat> as they come across the finish line. And as you said, the, story, the backstories to these people and what they've had to achieve just to make the start line and then to get the finish line, very emotional. Very, very emotional. Well done, and we wish Cam Brown all the very best. We'll take new sport and weather now with Johnny Mack. Oh, New Zealand. It's back. Oh. After a brief hiatus. Do people remember? I'm giving them a moment to remember. Do they know what this music indicates? Two fifty, number eight road, Morrinsville. Do Great. you know now? Great town. Great town. My first school was in Morrinsville. Really? Newstead School. You went to Morrinsville. Newstead School. What were you doing there? Primary school. But what were you doing there? You grew up in Morrinsville. Learning to read and write. Did you go? Did you grow up in Morrinsville? <laughs> no, I turned five when I was oh. in Morrinsville. Oh, interesting. Left when I was before six. Great area of the country. <sighs> Speaking of great area. Bailey's property of the week It's back Mike Fraser-Jones of Bailey's Hamilton Has today's Bailey's property of the week 69 hectares How much? 69 hectares All flat contour There's two houses on this On two even titles I'm looking at one of the house Pot plants outside A little bit of outdoor furniture There is a two race system that runs Away from the dairy to all 40 paddocks With fencing being a two and three wire electric. Bit of hedging on the property as well. Don't have to plant hedges, they're there. There's a tidy 16 aside dairy with a lined effluent pond and support buildings in a very, very handy location. 250, number eight road, Orangeville. There are two even titles, as I mentioned. Uh, both have got road frontage and a number of uh, magnificent trees, native tree groves. There's a three-bedroom home on each title. You can live in one, rent one. Put your farm workers in there, rent one. Whatever you want to do. Or you could sell it into two portions. You live in one and sell the other half. There you go. It's about five mil plus GST, and the owners will sell unconditionally as they need to move on, or you can employ staff. Great location, great soil. Morrisville, great soil. It's well worth a look. Go to baileys.co.nz. Then the Ford slash property number is two three one four one five three. Two three one four one five three. Now, no photos of the kitchen, but I've got a big aerial photo. One is that drone photo. They must employ someone in a plane or a helicopter to take the aerial. I love it. I love. I love aerial. Um, are, you sure it's not just, are you sure it's not just a drone itself? Well, it could be a drone. Yeah. But I, it's quite high, Sam. Yeah, they can get up there. It's quite high. Especially if it's a Chinese spy balloon. Oof. And there's a, two driveways. It looks magnificent. And the hedging and the trees. And I think there's room for a chip and putt golf course right down the back of the property. Sold. <laughs> I could sell Bailey's. You need me on your books. I could sell Sam's a property every week. I reckon. Just as long as it's got space for a green. Space. Mm, 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 mm. It looks magnificent. <sighs> Morrisville, magnificent. What's there the uh, What's the link? 
231-4153 is did he play for the All Blacks, Brendan Lynn? Yes. Uh, I don't know if Don Clark's from there either. Dwayne Sweeney, did he ever? Uh, I brought up a list of um No, Dwayne people. Sweeney was... Um, no, he's Morrisville, but but, he? but did he play for the All Blacks? No. Oh, New Zealand Marty. New Zealand Marty. So I brought up a... It's just the Morrisville club. So if you didn't play for the club, you wouldn't be on this list here. But um, the internationals include Waisaki Masarewa. Yes. Fiji, Fiji Sevens. Uh, Dwayne Sweeney. Uh, Asapele Is it Dowai? Dowai NZ7 Brendan Leonard of course uh, Vese Ralula From Fiji And Daniel Hainsworth Who made the Barbarians Under 85s <laughs> <laughs> 85s It says Barbarians Daniel Hainsworth Will be delighted He's made that list Yeah And he's got a shout out On, uh, on National Radio uh, Sione Lawaki Came out of Morrinsville Rugby Club as well Oh R.I.P. Wax And uh, Dwayne Monkley Dwayne Monkley Morrinsville Dwayne so there's a reason to get involved in this community. 250, number eight road, Morrisville. Do you want to play the chase? Well, I certainly do. Do you want to be the quiz master? I'd love to. Have you got the questions ready? I do. Should we tell people the number to ring? We should. 0800 150 It's time for the chase. Uh, Bradley Walsh is in the producer's booth, ready to go. He's got his phone open. He's got paper flying everywhere. He's tucking himself in because it's a big moment. If you want to play the chase, 0800 150 811 is the numbers. And the Clark brothers, definitely from Orangeville. I did nail it, Sam. Ian Clark, Don Clark. Thank you uh, to the texter. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Here we go. Welcome to the big show, people. <laughs> Welcome to the big show for Wednesday. And um, I'm excited, Steph. Are you excited? <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, we've got our celebrity chaser in the chair. I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'm not going to tell you who it is. And we've got our caller on the line. I think uh, we're going straight to the top line. One from Huntley. It's Brett. Come in, Brett. Get a boys. Get a Brett. This is exciting. Yeah, I'll be heading down to Taupool on Saturday. I've um, uh, got a uh, friend she's, she's doing the full for the first time. Um, and yeah, she'll be she'll be over 15 hours, man. It'll be a long day for you. Yeah, it's a very, that's a very long day. Well, it's going to be a very short day for you right now, Brett, because you've only got a minute on our clock to <laughs> answer really as many an questions. Man, Certainly not an Ironman. It's more of a sprint. It's more of a 50-metre uh, sprint. Okay, so, uh, Brett, you know how it works, mate. You need to pick set A or set B on the questions. Set eight, brother. Set eight. Nice and punchy, straight to the point. 60 seconds. We're going to load it up. And uh, if you want to move on, just pass straight away. Makes it quick. Otherwise, I'll give you the correct answer if you get it wrong. You ready to go? Let's go. All right. We start in three, two, one. Who scored the most points in round one of Super Rugby? Which team? Blue. Correct. Who was the Kiwis coach when they won the World Cup in 2008? Stephen Cooney. Wayne Bennett. Which football team is closely associated with the Green Street Hooligans? Pass. 
did Donald Bramman ever score 300 runs in an innings? No. Yes. Doc Rivers coaches which NBA team? 76ers. Correct. Who is the Minister for Sport? Pass. Who, uh, what does MMA stand for? Mixed Martial Arts. Correct. How many teams are actually in the Six Nations? Six. Correct. <laughs> Name one of the Warriors who will start at centre against the Knights on Friday night. Adam Wittery Pompey. Correct. How many times has a team won a test after being forced to follow on? Four. Correct. Grant Turner scored one of the greatest goals in New Zealand football history. Who was it Australia. against? Correct. How many teams play in the NFL? 32. Correct. Scott Robertson played for Canterbury. And which other NPC side? Yes. Well done, son. He got there in the end, Brett. Fantastic. Um, You skipped on uh, who was the Minister for Sport. That is Grant Robertson. And you skipped on the Green Street Hooligans. That was West Ham. Everything else he did pretty well on. And is that nine? Nine. He got nine. He got nine. That is fantastic. I'll tell you what. The Celebrity Chaser, I can actually hear it through the microphone, shaking the desk in the studio. Uh, Manai Stewart. Um, we don't actually have a nickname. We don't have a nickname. We don't have a nickname for him, Steph. Oh, you've given him a huge send-off, Brett. Come on. What's what's your chasing name, Manai? The Maniolator. The Maniolator. The Maniolator. The Maniolator. Yes. I don't mind it. I don't yeah. mind it. Nine to beat Manai. How are you feeling? Powerful. That a boy. All right. So 60 seconds on the timer. Uh, if he gets one wrong, though, we stop the clock. You get a chance to push him back. What, Brett? Just for a bit of context, how, what's like what's the highest score someone's got? Nine thought? would be up there. Nine <laughs> would be up there. Uh, Nine is the highest. No, I think we've had a we had like a Straight 10 or 11 once. But Have like you it. written enough questions for me to even have a stab at this? Absolutely not. <laughs> so we probably get, I'm just hoping you run out of time. Yeah, okay. That would be the idea. So if you want to take your time on a couple, that'd be great. We'll do. Your time will start, Manai. Oh, we'll just make sure we've got all my levels here. Your time will start in three, two, one. Who is currently last in the Six Nations standings? Italy. Stop the clock. Brett, right off the bat, who is currently last in the Six Nations? That'll be Gaston Wales. I, I understood that. Uh, Wales is correct. Minus one for you, Manai Stewart. Your time will start in three, two. So now I've got to get ten. <laughs> Sorry, Cor- carry you on. just wasted a second. Your time will start again in three, two, one. Jackson Hastings plays for which NRL team? The Knights. Correct. Which Big Bash team did Brenda McCullum play for? Oh, the Heat. Correct. Which team is currently top of the NBA's Eastern Conference? The um, Sixers. Stop the clock. <laughs> which team is currently top of the NBA's Eastern Conference, Brett? Boston Celtics. No, it's the Bucks. Bucks. Bucks have just taken them over. That so, was my first guess, so you're on one, uh, Manoia. Uh, your time will start. Uh, eight to catch. Your time will start again. Mm. Three, two, one. Augusta National was a golf course in which U.S. state? Oh God, uh, Pennsylvania. Stop the clock. Not far off. Uh, Brett. Uh, Manoia, the Black Caps didn't give up either boat, so don't you, Georgia. <laughs> That's correct. Manai, back to zero. I'm getting um, shit from all angles here. Brett's coming. <laughs> I've got the bloody uh, Cheshire cat grinning over here in the corner of the studio as well. Funnily enough, um, actually, no, I'm going to come back to that scene. Okay, so you've got uh, nine to catch, Manai. Your time will start again in three, two, one. Which Super Rugby side does Nepo Laulala play for? The Blues. Correct. And what year did the Warriors win the NRL Minor Premiership? 2002. Correct. Which former cricketer had the nickname the Sultan of Swing? Sultan of Swing. Chris Harris. Stop the clock. <laughs> I wish it was Chris Harris. <laughs> Brett? Uh, I'll be guessing some of the buff. No, it was a Macram. Yeah. Was he? Was the oh, Sultan of Swing? Was he? Uh, right, you are on Fire. two, and you have seven to catch. I do not have enough questions. Your time will start in three, two, one. Phil Foden plays for which Premier League football team? Oh, Newcastle. Stop the clock. Phil Foden, Brett? 
Liverpool. Nah, Man City. None of you know your football. How much time on the uh, <laughs> clock there, Kiz? 20. 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. I'm going to run out of questions, man. No, no. Your you time won't. will start again in three, two, one. We were the 2000 Olympics. Oh, this is a tough one, Sam. See, I remember where the 2004 Olympics were. Uh, in 2008, of course, we're in Beijing, but 2000. Sydney. Sydney that is correct. Who is the head coach of the Super Rugby Chiefs? Clayton McMillan. That is correct. Did I do it? Unfortunately not. You were shy by a couple. Uh, Brett, nine would have been tough to beat if anyone was in that hot seat. Manai, we, we did stitch him up on his last day step by putting him in the hot seat. But and to be fair to Manai, he got six. Like yeah, he, I know. That's, take away the ones he yep. got wrong. He did get six right. And just for uh, argument's sake, given that I've only got two questions left on my list, Manai, should I yeah. just ask them anyway? Uh, yep. Where was the 1982 FIFA World Cup? Yeah. Yeah, it was. And Casper <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ruud, tennis player from which country? Yeah, he's uh, he's Slovenian, Casper. Norway. Yeah. I would have accepted um, uh, what are they, a Nordic. Nordic I would have, country. I would have accepted Scandinavian? Would Scandinavian. Would you Scandinavian. Accepted I would have accepted Europe, European. <laughs> I would have accepted that. There you go, Brett. Nine, very hard to very hard to beat. That sets the benchmark, I think, for 2023. Steve. Does, does. I think we've had a nine this year, but that's certainly first equal. That was last time I did it. I got, the, I, I got the nine, yeah. Re- yeah, you really no, do get stitched up. And just uh, just as an aside, if, if I can just twist the knife in a bit further, Manai, uh, just a, a little reveal for the audience that Manai actually wrote your questions, Brett. So he wrote the questions <laughs> for you um, early this morning. And uh, there are a lot of people texting in saying that uh, Stephen Kearney was the head coach in 08 with Bennett as the assistant. So he actually got 10, Brett. Um, <laughs> oh, see, see, I would have won if it wasn't for that. <laughs> Throw you off. There you go. Jamie and Brett, thanks, buddy. See you, mate. Uh, Enjoy uh, Iron Man. Last break of the day. We'll come back after that. Here's what happened back in the day. What a big day today, March the 1st. Uh, I feel like I can hear something in the background there, Sam. Oh, no, it's my phone. It's that Rory McIlroy swing. There we go. Um, anyway, 1969, New York Yankees slugger Mickey Mantle announced his retirement from baseball, age 37. He had an 18-year career, and he was one of the shining stars. Three MVPs, four home run titles, and a triple crown in 1956 with a .353 average. 1971, Gary Sober set a world record for the highest individual test innings with 365 for the West Indies against Pakistan. His unbeaten innings took 614 minutes and included 38 fours. And the record overshadowed Conrad Hunt's magnificent 260 in the Windies Tour of 760 for three declared. A stack of famous birthdays today. First of all, 67 years old today, Mark Todd. Todd for two and, and two for Todd. That's <laughs> great. Mark Todd and Charisma, the first time since 1932 that one horse and rider have won the Olympic gold medal for the three-day event in two successive Olympic Games, and it was a Kiwi who does it. Mark Todd, 61 years old today. Russell Coots, 52 today. Ivan Cleary, former warrior, now the Panthers coach. 43 years old today. Shahid Afridi, the Pakistani fast boulder. Uh, boulder. Uh, 38 years old today. Jacob Lilliman, the man with the biggest biceps in the world, former warrior and Queenslander. 38 today. We're speaking about Ironman. Terenzo Bozzoni, Kiwi multi-sport athlete. Now real estate, I think. Terenzo. 36 years old today. Emma Twig, a very famous rower. And 31 today, Tom Walsh. Good speed. 
Yeah. Good throw from Walsh. And Tom Walsh will move into the bronze medal position with that throw of 21-36. But taking the bronze is Thomas Walsh of New Zealand. And Thomas Walsh will be on the show tomorrow ahead of the New Zealand track and field champs. On the stay in 73, the number one movie was Charlotte's Web. I read that book five times as a kid. And the number one song, Roberta Flack. Drumming my bed with his fingers Singing my life with his words Can you turn your phone off, please? It's off. And that's a wrap. That's a wrap for March the 1st. Running it straight. Kempe bulging in his T-shirt outside the studio. Ready to come in with Sammy Hewitt. Running it straight. The league show. And we are in week one. And remember, we do have commentary courtesy of Sammy. Warriors. One New Zealand Warriors first game. We're going to be broadcasting live from Wahlburgers tomorrow down at Princess Wolf. Come and say day. Get a burger. Big thanks to Sammy. Big, big thanks to Manai Stewart. Running it straight's coming at you after the news.